Victor Pacheco. Hello and welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco. I'm here today with a very special guest for today's episode. Uh, you've seen him on the original Latin Kings of Comedy. You've seen him on Latin Palooza. You've seen him on Que Locos. And you've seen him in 50-plus television and film projects. I want you to give it up for the very funny Joey Medina. What's up, brother? Thank you so much for being here today. Good, uh, buddy. Thank, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm so stoked because, like, I've known you for years, but I just met you two months ago. And so it feels like I've known you like my whole life, like I've grown up with you. So this is a really cool event to be sharing with you. So I really uh, do appreciate you being here on my podcast. So that's awesome. Welcome to Poppycock Podcast. Um, so how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, just watching the Johnny Depp trial. And the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Is that a is she doing some horrible acting or is she doing some horrible acting? Well, when she yeah, when she was on the stand, she that was horrible acting. I mean, as a director, that was really bad acting. <laughs> like less is more, right? In this case, like she just yeah. say less, or or not, yeah. or maybe not even testify. It might might do her some good. I don't, I don't know. It's just a lot of. Uh, I can't believe that's actually on the news. It's like getting like O.J. Simpson trial status. Like, oh my god, this is what's going to decide the next cultural phenomenon here in our society. But. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, with the uh, original Latin Kings of Comedy, um, when you, how did you feel, how did you find out that you were going to be on the original Latin Kings of Comedy and how did you feel? Um, well, originally, you know, um, I, we knew we were shooting it, um, but we weren't guaranteed to be on it. There were actually two other people that were also sh that shot it and um, they didn't get on. But um, we just, you know, I just, I had my fingers crossed. And um, luckily, when everything was done, I knew, you know, I had a really, I had two really good sets. And, um, and I felt real confident. And then I found out, you know, that's it. I was in it. And uh, it was great. I knew that'll change my life. I knew I'm like, okay, this is a big, big thing. And I, I need to rise to the occasion now, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, I asked you on a different podcast how it changed your how it changed your life and you got more bookings and you got higher paid bookings and um, I'm looking at your biography you've traveled the world too um, Asia Australia Europe uh, that's really really awesome I think that's just phenomenal that you could go to all these places like I saw that you were like at a resort in Mexico I think it was Cabo possibly I think uh, I, I forgot which which it was uh, Cabo um, also. Um... Costa Rica, you know, um, so yeah, so I've tried, I literally have traveled around the globe, man. I've been to Germany, I've been to Indonesia, I've been to Thailand, Vietnam, um, a bunch of places. And, you know, to think I I've been to all these places because of comedy is, uh, you know, sometimes it's surreal. You're like, really, you can do that. And it's, um, it's, uh, feels good. And you perform for the troops overseas during war times, not just, you know, when the uh, when um, the military is on reserve, when they're actually in combat, you right. you were uh, you did several tours in Iraq. Can you explain how that was as a comedic experience? And how I mean, because that is a vacation going to Iraq. I mean, I know yeah. you're, you're doing a good service for, for your, your fellow countrymen and uh, for the for, for the military. Um, I know they don't like to be called the troops, so I'm trying to be respectful. So. Uh, uh, how does how how does playing or uh, performing for um, military overseas uh, differ from you know a comedy club or any other type of show? It's a, it's a real I mean first of all it's a real honor you know when I take when I take a group of comics with me to do military gigs I always tell them this is going to be the hardest and the best gig you've ever had you know um, I've been to Iraq three times the first time was literally right at the end of you know the war so everything was still in shambles we stayed in tents we you know the food had to be brought in um oh my god it was uh it was really a dark felt dark you know and um but you know the troops loved it you know th those th those kids you want to call them kids because that's what they are they they uh you know 
they signed up for something and now they, they, they go to another part of the world they've never been to. They're, they're away from their, their family, from their parents, from their children, from their wives and boyfriends and girlfriends. And, and um, they don't have anything, man, you know? And for me to think that, or for me to feel that, man, I'm there. And for that one hour I'm doing a show for them, they're somewhere else. They're not, they're not where they are anymore. It feels really, really good. And I know this because I've, I've gotten emails from wives and from mothers saying, my son, you made my son weak. You know, he, he feels so much better now. He's in better mood and this and that. And, um, and, and, I, and I dig it. And, and I, you know, I have so much respect for, for the military because of the sacrifices they do. And a lot of people don't know that, man. You know, the stuff that they go through over there and the, 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 the things that, that, that they have to experience are horrible. I was talking to this kid, must have been 18, 19 years old, and he's telling me how, you know, like how he, he shot someone and all he does is he can't sleep at night. He just keeps imagining it over and over and over in his head. And um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty heavy, man, you know? And if I could just make them laugh and, and, and the thing is, I don't only entertain them, you know, when, when I'm doing my show, because we're usually stuck on a base with them. And especially back in Iraq, it's a smaller base. It's not... And I'm, I'm entertaining them everywhere I walk, you know, when we go eat with them, when we, we hang out with them at the, at the, at, you know, the, the rec hall or whatever, I, I'm making them laugh. I mean, I entertain them 24 seven. The second I'm out there with them, I'm entertaining them, not just on stage. And the, the guys I bring, the girls and guys I bring with me, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, we're on the clock, man. We're on the clock. We got to make these cats have a good time, you know, have fun with them, play with them and just make them forget, you know, where they are and try to, make them think they're back home that's awesome that that really makes me happy too because like it, it's just contagious just the happiness because when you were mentioning that you were getting emails i thought they were you're telling me it was from the the actual people that you uh, the, the the people you per, uh, perform for but it's the the wives and the moms and it's just that's mm. that's super cool that's just like hey this is how funny the comedian was that you're getting you're hearing back from the the significant other the mom that's so cool i love that stuff or I don't know, like for me, I'm, I'm obviously not at your level, but uh, when people come up to you like, man, my mom just died and I've been just been thinking about killing myself and I don't I don't feel that anymore, man. Thanks a lot, dude. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was just telling yeah. dick jokes right now. I had no idea that they were this type of impact. No, but, but, la but laughter is healing, man. You know, I mean, it's um, it's not, you know, I don't know if it's the best medicine. Sometimes you need chemo. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but that's not even my joke. That's somebody else's joke. That's Drew Mark's joke. But, um, but, it, but, it, but, it, but it's, but it's true. But it, it, it just, it makes you feel good, man. You laugh and whether it's a movie, whether it's a comedian, rather it's just watching someone trip down the flight of steps, laughter makes you feel, you know, laughter, laughter makes you feel good. And uh, <laughs> laughter makes you feel good. And it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, uh, and I think it's one of the reasons why comics do it. You know, comics, comics and musicians are the only people that go to work on their days off and the only people that go to work for free. You know, it's like, we'll go to a room, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a comedy club and we're like, you know, they ask, hey, you want to go up? We're like, okay. You know, and we, we go on our day off just to hang out, but it feels good to go up on that stage because we get something out of it as well. When it's a great show, it's, what it, it's, there's nothing better, you know, I had, I did four shows this weekend in um, Tucson, Arizona, and all four were sold out and I got two standing ovations. And like, that's just amazing. I can't, I, I couldn't pay for that kind of emotion or feeling, you know what I mean? And yet I'm getting it. But I also know you got to work for it. You can't, it's not going to always happen. You're, you're not, you know, you may go up there, you know, comics may go up on stage cocky, thinking, oh, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill. And guess what? It's just not your night you know the audience is weird you're you were off your timing was bad it's just like being an athlete you're just like oh, i didn't know so i never take it for granted i always you know i, I always feel I, I i'll feel confident but i'm like i know i still have to work for it and still have to maintain it i mean yeah i just it's you mentioned being an athlete and used to be uh, a champion boxer and what the, you have to be really disciplined to be a boxer. What, what type of um, discipline from boxing uh, did you carry over to stand up comedy to make you the powerhouse comedic uh, talent that you are today? Be all of it, you know, all, all of it. It's uh, 
uh, one of the things I learned from from boxing was as an amateur, I would stay in the gym after the amateurs left and I would watch the pros train and I would watch them train and I would notice there was a difference between them. There was a polish. There was a, there was a, it was just like night and day. And I would, you know, after a while I would get to spar with the pros and uh, they would kick my butt, but I would still, you know, but I would still learn. And then when I was sparring with the amateurs, I would kick their butt because I'm learning from professionals. And when I first started doing standup, I would do the same thing. I would do my open mics. And then I would always go to the club when the pro comedians were there. I mean, and I would watch them and I would talk to them and ask them questions. And I would, I would see the difference. And even though I didn't understand what the differences were yet, I would see the difference and I would try to, um, you know, duplicate that and try to, you know, if I would see a comic wearing a blazer with its sleeves rolled up, I'm like, Oh, I like the way that looks. I'm going to do that. You know, if I would like, you know, the only thing I couldn't, the only thing it took me probably about 10 years to do is get really comfortable is, is riffing with the audience. It took me about 10 years to really get that. Now I'm, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do, but it's, uh, it took me about 10 years to really feel comfortable just knowing that I can, I'll make up a whole set if I have to, you know, just talking to the audience. Oh, I mean, you're comfortable now, but those first 10 years where you weren't comfortable and like, let's just say you got like a heckler or something, would you feel like disrespected? Like, how dare you interrupt me? And I don't want to talk yeah. to you. I'm doing my set. Or would you just, or, or would that lead into the riffing or how did the riffing begin? Because, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes yes and no. I mean, the thing is, if you don't have that skill to hit back, you're, you're, you're a disadvantage. It's like, um, it's, it's like, you know, going back to boxing. It's like, man, this guy keeps throwing a left hook, but I, don't, I, I never trained on how to block that left hook. So I keep getting hit with it over and over again. So it didn't make me, I didn't get mad at the audience. I got mad at myself for not knowing how to handle it. Um, you know, and, and I would just tell myself, okay, I got to do better next time. I got to do better next time. And it's, um, you know, so now I, I'm ready for almost anything. And even if I'm not, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll figure out my way around it. And that's, um, you know, and that's, uh, that's just confidence of, I've been doing this for so long that it's, that I'll know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out a way I'll, I'll get there. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> That's because of all the of the years of experience and you're 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 a master at, at what you do. And but but with the riffing, I notice that the lot not a lot, but there's like a significant amount of comedians that will talk down to you if you even dare to riff on stage. Like, how dare you have a good time in, in spur of the moment and not and not use your written material that is polished and you know repeated. Well, yeah, those oh. Those comedians are the ones that can't do it. That's why they're, they're looking down at you because they don't have that skill. So they're like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, I can't believe you, you're using punchlines. What, how dare you use punchlines? You know, how dare you make the audience laugh? You should be an alternative comic like me and just have them think, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, how dare you, know, you get those two standing ovations this weekend? Yeah, ah. but you know, mi so uh, <laughs> mi misery loves company, man. and and and. and Comics that are comics that are a bitter and un, um, insecure look down at other comics in their same level who are doing better. They'll never look down at somebody who's already up there because that doesn't even make sense. But they'll but if you're in the same level and you're doing a little better, they're gonna look down. But if you're doing worse, they'll never look down at you. They're like, oh, that's okay, he's all right. Yeah, I just I don't know, like with the whole riffing thing and the whole because everybody has a different philosophy. And like a few years back, my my mentor who shall remain nameless because I don't want to embarrass this person. Uh, he, we did a show at the uh, Fox theater in Salinas. And if you know anything about Salinas, you know, yeah, it's going to be all I've, Mexican, all Mexican. Yeah, I've, done, like, I've done that. I've done that theater. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like a rite of passage, but it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's also like, for me, that was more like I, I performed for a sold out crowd and there was like 500 people there and there was 498 Mexicans. <laughs> and I swear to God, there was two black guys and maybe two Chinese, but they were probably Mexican, too. So they count yeah. as Mexicans. And so uh, I'm doing this show and um, out of nowhere, I was in the moment and I started speaking Spanglish and then telling jokes in Spanish. And I got a standing mm -hmm. ovation. Nice. And um, my mentor on the ride back, because, you know, like I'm like, you know, I'm like, like, you know, like a, like a, like a little puppy with my tail wagging around. Like, how did I do? How did I do? How hey dude, you know, you speaking Spanish is hack. And I'm like, what? Hack? Hack? I was like, dude, speaking any language is a skill. 
Yeah. How, and I read, the, I read the crowds. How is it hacked? No, dude, that's an English show, bro. It's, and I'm like, okay, dude, come on. First, there's no rules unless somebody said no Spanish or like no right. curse words or no. And you know what? There, there's certain rules um, with, with everything. And so uh, you perform a lot of places where sometimes you're required to be clean, like on cruise ships. And uh, my question is, how does a dirty comedian transition to be a clean comic? Um, easy. You just have to start, you know, try to change subjects. Because, for instance, if, if, if you're talking about, you know, fucking and sucking and finger banging and whatever, you're going to tend to want to curse because that's what you're talking about. So, you, you know, start... If you start writing material about subjects that aren't uh, adult, then you, you'll start working cleaner and you just try to work cleaner. And even if you have a subject that's adultish, you don't have to curse. Um, I can do my whole act clean, but it's still adultish, but it, I can do the whole act clean. So, um, you know, it's only that my normal life when I'm talking with my friend, when I'm on stage, I feel like I'm just hanging out with friends. So when I'm hanging out with friends, you know, I'll curse because that's just the way I talk. Right. But, um, but like if I'm hanging out with my friend's parents, I probably won't curse. So, you know, be, it's, so it's, that, it's the same thing. But I always tell every comic, the cleaner you write, the, the better you'll do and the more work you'll get and the better writer I think you'll become. So, you know, it's always good to have all the skills. Sometimes if you're doing a, a, a bar and the bar is kind of ghetto and you, you got to get dirty with them, you got to go, you know, you got to get in the mud with them. But, um, but if you're not, if you're doing a corporate gig or a cruise ship or something, you, you need to be a lot a lot more cleaner and, and um, you know, you kind of just read the audience. Yeah, because like, I don't know, I asked different clean comics uh, or comics that can do clean this very question. It's like, like, uh, is it true? Like one of my jokes is that I look like a proud Samoan lesbian woman with a beard. That's clean. Um, but if I say yeah. I make I make love to my wife like, like an animal and that animal is an elephant, then that's not clean because I'm talking about sex, but I'm implying it, but never use the word sex. Right. Well, the joke is still, that that is a, a clean joke, but it's just more adult. OK, that, okay. that joke is clean. OK, I mean, it's like if you say I make love to my wife is clean. You say I fuck my wife is dirty. <laughs> so, you know I mean? Oh, no, because it's just sometimes it's like, OK, I guess that's the difference between clean and squeaky clean. Uh, with yeah, innuendo. PG, P, PG, you don't want to have you don't want to talk about having sex with your wife. I got to help my dog one second. You can keep talking. I can yeah, hear no, you. no, no problem. But, her, <laughs> My dog's ball it went underneath something. So I just gotta get oh it. yeah, no, I, no, that's okay. totally cool. I also have a dog too, so I totally understand the importance of taking care of your dog before your dog freaks out and has a mini panic attack. And I don't know about you, Joey, but I have a small dog. Okay, okay. that looks kind of like a medium dog, okay. but my small dog has reverse yeah. sneezes, and uh, when it has anxiety attacks, so it's like, ah, 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 ah. you know, like oh my god, is my dog dying? You literally have to put your fingers in its nostrils. And then it just, oh, wow. it just sucks the whatever it has, like a, they have like the drip that they can't swallow since they don't have the same nasal passage yeah. as we, it's, it's crazy. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, just with the clean com again, something, you know, it's like, uh, I've heard, and like, I know this isn't true because I've written clean comedy since I've heard this, but well, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of people, once you're a dirty comic, you can't go back. There's no, there's no, that's not, they're just, that's not true. They just can't do it, right? That's just, or yeah, they just yeah. can't do it. <laughs> so, okay. I'm just like, I'm just trying to figure people out and like what they're, I don't know. It's just, there just seems to be like a lot of like uh, bitterness, jealousy, or whatever that's going on. I mean, like within every situation, but uh, it's just the subjects. It's just the subjects, you know, like when um, it's easy when, when you're a newer comic, a lot of your jokes are going to be, you know, blue. They're going to be like, all you know about sex and about this and about that and because it's funny there's a lot of funny things about that but it's harder to write uh it's harder to write it it's not it's harder it just takes a little more thought to write a joke that's clean but there's like brian regan there's comics like that who are completely squeaky clean and are absolutely hilarious so if there are any comics that are that are out there that are listening especially newer comics and you're like i want to work clean but i really don't know how and, and write clean that's okay what you do is watch comics like that, watch comics that are really good comics who are clean and just watch and get the vibe and let it, let it stimulate 
you know, if they're talking about uh, a cute story about their kids, like I, I have two stories, you know, I have a, a story about my two sons and I talk about how they're doing great and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this. And, and, um, and I go, because every, you know, and I always, I say, because every parent wants their children to do better than them. I go, but then I'm like, not that good, you know, because they're, they're making me look bad, these kids. So it's, it's, that's a clean joke. And it's just, you know, it's, it just depends. So if you pick a, a topic like, you know, your kids, you're probably going to write cleaner stuff because it's, it's kind of just lends yourself that way. But if you're writing jokes about sex, you're going to write dirtier stuff because it lends itself that way. So, um, you know, just do that. Just, you know, just like any athlete or any other artist, push yourself, push yourself to another limit. You know, if, if you're an artist who only uses three colors, try four colors next time, try five colors. You know, if you're an athlete that only trains twice a day, I mean, twice a week, try three, four, five times a week. You always push yourself to do something you can't. Like when I started working on cruise ships, it was very difficult for me because of the system that they have. And, um, and then I figured it out. It took me a week or two and I, I figured it out and I, I feel real confident now, you know, but it was something new for me. And it was, um, you know, and it was just like, anytime you do something new, new, it's, uh, it's, it's awkward because we're not used to it. And that's for anybody that just not comedians, that's any artist, any person, you know, um, if you've got a new job and you're, you're working on a, something, it's your job that you've never really done before. You're not going to feel comfortable in the beginning. You're going to be awkward but then you, you'll pick it up and you'll get it. And that's just like anything else. Don't ever be afraid as a comedian. Don't ever be afraid to, to, to push to the limits and try to do something else because that's what's going to make you grow and make you be a better comic. And at the end of the day, you have more tools in your toolbox than you did before. Wow. I mean, that's, that's awesome because that gives, that gives me a lot of hope. So that should give everybody a lot of hope because that, that's a really great way of going about um, utilizing your skill set and adding to your skill set, so I think that's that's really brilliant. I think that's really great advice, and thank you for for sharing hey, that. Dude, that's <laughs> I'm like, and I'm, you I'm, know, <laughs> go ahead. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new open micer or if you're Dave Chappelle. You always learn. You always learn, and you always learn something new. You always, you know, evolve. There's always another plateau and another plateau and another plateau, and um. And that's the beautiful thing about this, this art, you know, like I, I, I'll do a joke that I've actually written maybe 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but I do it completely different now because I'm so much, I'm a better comic now. So I, I know how to do the joke even better and deeper and heavier and make it funnier. You know, before I only knew how to do this little bit of the joke, but now I know how to make the joke look like this. And, it, and it's, um, it's just part of growth, part of being a comedian, doing something for a really long time and growing. Well, uh, I think part of growing is like taking those like, you know, gigs that, you know, you just got to take to get better. And, you know, there's sometimes, you know, people get a bad rap for being a, a quote road comic. And so I don't think that's bad because, you know, they're getting work. They're doing work. They're doing what they need to do. Everybody's journey is different. But the only, pe sorry. The, only pe the only people that give road comics bad is people that don't work the road because they nobody hires them. That's the only reason, <laughs> you know, so they're like, just <laughs> which I never understood that it's like. If you can't do something somebody else can and you want to do it, try to do it. Like, you know, if I saw, if I wanted to work the road, I wouldn't make fun of road comics because that's just going to stunt my growth, right? It's going to prevent me from working on the road because I'm not going to try to look for ways to get on the road. If, if I want to work the road, I'm going to ask, hey, how did you work on the road? How did you, who did you talk to? Do you mind if I get those phone numbers? Do you mind if I get the email? Do you mind, how, what, what do you recommend for me to do? What do you, instead of, you know, but do that, but. It, that takes work. So what they do is like, oh, the road sucks. You, know, you should just keep doing the coffee house here for the next 12 years. And then one day Steven Spielberg's going to come in and give you a job in ET2. You know what I mean? Really? That's, that's not the way it works, man. You got <laughs> it's, it's, it's even the Bible says God helps those who helps themselves. That means you got to get yourself there. And then he'll push you to the, to the edge, you know, take you across the, 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 the goal line. But, but it's always people who, who can't do something that put down the other people who are doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, I mean, because people complain about their uh, either the shows being light or they're being Hicks or rednecks or Mormon or dry County, or it's during the any excuse. Right. I mean, for me, I, I where I was going at where, where, when I've done the road, it gets really lonely on the road. 
It gets really like, you know, because you have that excitement of the show, you know, it, it goes great. And then the show's over and you go back to the room and you're just by yourself with the TV and you're just like, ah, this is bad. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I like to get on the phone and talk to people, but I was wondering um, if there's any advice that you'd give to road comics right now that um, are having trouble right now keeping their uh, their sanity. Yeah. Just use it to be productive, man. Write, work on that script that you always wanted to work on. You know, um, do research. Maybe get yourself uh, some type of paying gig that you can do on online. That way, you're making money during the day, while you and then you make money at night. You know, be productive. Go see movies that you that you probably never see when you're home. You know, um, get to hang out with the other comics. Get to know them. You know, um, there's so many other things you can do. You can sightsee. You can, you can, uh, one of the bad habits I have is I'll go somewhere really nice, but I'll never, I'll just stay in my room and uh, just chill. Right. And um, I'm like, if I'm somewhere nice, if I'm in Vegas, I should go do Vegas stuff. You know, I should go here. I should go there. So I try to push myself to do more things, but um, yeah, you're right. The, the, the road can be lonely. The road can be boring sometimes. But I personally like it. Some people don't. I like it. I like being away because I have ADD. So I hate being in one place for too long. You know, um, and I've got every size luggage you could think of for every kind of gig. I'm, I'm very, I've become <laughs> a really good, I've become a really good traveler. I know what to take, what not to take, you know, and all that stuff. But I always forget stuff because I'm a guy. Yeah, but, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm like, oh, I've got another Walmart run. I gotta buy some more of this. Gotta buy more shampoo. Gotta buy another razor blade. I gotta buy this, you know. But um, but uh, but it, but it's fun, man. It's fun. It's hard. And I would always be a comedian, even if I was a billionaire. But the the goal for every comedian should be where your comedy takes you to a place where you don't have to do comedy if you didn't have, want to anymore. Meaning, it should get you on television. It should get you on on a radio show, it should get you on, a, you know, as an actor, it should establish you to, to do other things. Um, because working the road all the time is not, a, it's not a great insurance policy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's good if you're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Um, because it's living paycheck by paycheck. And that's, uh, that's a really scary thing, especially when you get older. Yeah, and then there's no 401k retirement fund, uh, vision, dental that I've heard of, and there's there's like the the Illuminati of comedians, uh, which is I guess the highest echelon of stand up, but uh, even beyond celebrity stand. But at any rate, um, yeah, um, <clears throat> I, have, I have a question. What are your thoughts of English speaking comedians like Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura? learning Spanish so they could perform to Spanish speaking crowds. I think that's extremely brave of them. Um, I think <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's, that's, I don't even want to, I know Spanish and I still, and I don't want to do Spanish speaking crowd. So, so I take my hat off to them. That's brave. And, you know, um, and it's just pushing yourself to another limit, man. You know, if uh, you can do it, I think the, the craziest thing I ever done, I pushed myself was, I did a, a all naked comedy show where I was naked and the audience was naked. I did that. And I pushed myself for that. I, I, didn't, I never wanted to do stand up naked, but it, I got to say I did it, you know? And uh, what was funny was, if, you know, I had, I think I knew I was going to do the gig like for two months. And I told myself, well, I got to get in shape and I just can't show up all fat. Right. But of course I never did. So I, I have a friend who's a Hollywood makeup artist. I just had to do abs on my stomach, like in 300. And I actually, it looked really good. It looked really good. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had pictures, but I don't want to know. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I do have a picture of me with my, my pants on, but my shirt off. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. Do you have the fake abs? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Got, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the fake abs. Yeah, yeah fake abs. put a sensor bar. That's cool. Uh, it's, uh, no, I'm just kidding, man. It's uh, even whatever, you know, I just don't want you getting banned from social media for sharing one of those pics. But uh, no, um, no, wait, look, I had pants on, so I had pants on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's that's more than I could say about me right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, because like I, I really um, would love to see you do stand up in Spanish. And like, I mean, to the point, I mean, I, I know you're just like, uh, but like, uh, to be honest with you, I've done it once 
also Salinas, not at the Fox Theater, but um, it was a really great experience. And uh, a lot of the jokes translate. And then you have to come up with new stories because you can't really translate, you know, when you're doing a play on words or you're saying something witty right, right. in English, like it doesn't always translate. So uh, I don't know. This wasn't like a big secret plan to convert you to Spanish comedy. But uh, I, I recently got I mean, I don't even I don't even have a video in Spanish. So I wrote the producer in Spanish to ask him for a spot. And oh, he was, wow. <laughs> I got a spot. I don't know when the show, I think it's in like June or July, but it's going to come up and I'm really looking forward to it because now I'm going to have a tape in Spanish. So I'm super stoked yeah, about that. And you know, it's really good because Spanish in the last couple of years, especially last three years, I think Spanish comedy, Spanish comedy before was corny and weird. It was all gimmicky, but now they're doing true proper standup in Spanish. And, um, and that's great, man. And for the comics out there, and I know a few who do it in English and Spanish, God bless them, man. That's a, another market. You're making more money. You know what I mean? And um, good, for, good for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's cool, too. And I really love that you have a really, really like you have the true heart of, of, of a caring comics comic because it's just you're very selfless and you want everybody to grow. You want everybody to everybody to make money and you know create their own lane if they're not in the lane already and i really i really dig that and um i guess right now i'm like in this like stage where like i could confidently do uh three different 15 minute sets but i, I i'm not really that confident in doing 45 minutes so i was gonna ask you how do you write an hour or how do you write a new hour you you just keep going I know it's kind of hard, <laughs> you just keep going. Um, the, the first time, the first time I ever headlined, I was working at a comedy club, uh, and the comedy club had two clubs: one in Dallas, one in Fort Worth, and one in uh, Arlington. And some, for some reason, the way it worked was, you middle the middle and the headliner work one club, and then the next week they work the other club. But for whatever reason. The next week, the headliner wasn't doing it, so they moved me up to headline. I didn't ask for it. They just pushed me to headline. And I was like, yeah, I could do it. But I was scared, man. I had half an hour. I had have a good, strong half hour. And then the last 15 minutes, man, I just pulled anything out of my ass I could. And, you know, hey, knock, <laughs> knock, who is it? You know, and um, <laughs> it was really hard. It's just a timing. It's just a pacing. When I was a boxer, you know, amateur boxers are three rounds. And I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, man, how do these guys fight 10 rounds, 15 rounds, 12 rounds? Oh, my God, how do you do it? And the way you do it is you just do it. Um, it's not going to be easy at first to do 45 minutes, right? Um, but you'll start learning it. You'll start picking up the pace. You'll start doing tricks like, okay, I'm going to be slower. I'm going to talk to the audience a little more. I'm going to be doing this. And you'll learn how to, how to stretch your material. And then you'll start writing new material and you start putting it in. And then those gaps in those spaces that you were trying to, you know, finagle your way through, you'll start filling them in with actual material. And, and then before you know it, it'll just be easy. You're just like, I got it. I can just keep talking and I'll have, I'll have enough for the time. Yeah. I mean, I just remember there used to be a time where like, okay, you're doing eight to 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, what happens if I forget my material? And then like right now it's just like, you're doing 15. I'm like, like, okay. Like, are you, like, is it like a tight 15 or are you going to, is it cool if I go a little over or is it cool if you light me at 15 and I tell a five minute joke right then? I mean, not to be a jerk. It's just, I'm just trying to get in that extra time, you know, if I can, especially like, you know, if it's a smaller show, but if there's like 15 comics on the lineup, I'm not going to say that. Or if the headliner is doing 45 minutes, I'm not going to do that as the host, unless, unless asked to, I'm sorry. <laughs> more experience you get, the less time you want to do. Like I, I'll go do a spot. I'm like, Hey man, I'll, I'll, when they go, how much time do you want to do? I'm like, actually none. I, if you give me my paycheck and I can leave, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not, <laughs> it's ridiculous how much time I want to do. I'm like nothing. I don't. I just want to go home now. Give me the money, you know. But, but uh, yeah. So, oh my god. Oh man. You know, but, it's just yeah. No, I I I mean you've doing you've been doing it for for you for years. Everything is polished, and um, I, I mean, it's just like, uh, like, how, 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 how do you? Uh, I ask myself this question: like, 
how do guys that don't go to open mics that have like showcases or arenas every night, like how how do they try out new jokes? They just um, say them confidently, like they like like they believe in them and they're excited about it. You have to be excited about it. Yeah, but you also do it on the road. You also do it on the, those guys. They do it in arenas, but you don't know in between the arenas they're doing a lot of clubs, right? They're doing a lot of spots, and also they have the experience to of the timing they, they just got it they got it they'll remember it and it's easier for me to remember a new joke than it is for me to remember an older joke so um like when i'm on stage i tend to do my newer jokes first because i just i want to get them out and i want to you know i just want to see how they work really quick um but so yeah everybody has their own timing but it's uh like they, you know, like you know, Russell Peters works arenas all the time, but he does a lot of clubs in between that people don't, you know, realize necessarily, right? You know, he goes to these small cities, working these small clubs, and he's still working that material. So when he gets to an arena, he's he's got it polished and he's ready to go. But even if he wasn't doing it, he's still so polished that he'll deliver new material as though he's done it forever. Yeah, and it's like that trick that's just like, oh my god! I mean, it's like so. It looks so effortlessly. It looks like they it just it's just they're just naturally hilarious. And um it's just it's just really awesome. I love seeing it. Like I mean, I mean, anytime that I say a joke that I mean, I was in bed with my wife and I was just like, oh my God, I can make an elephant sound because I have a deviated septum. What happens if I just say I, you know, I fuck my wife like elephants? And like, you know, I we started laughing in bed and I did it at a showcase that night. I didn't have a chance to go to an open mic or try it out but i was so happy and excited about it and i was just remembering just being in bed with my wife and you know she doesn't you know and i get nervous when she comes to my show because there's a lot of pressure when my wife's there you know i'm more <laughs> i'm more nervous about her than like a club manager you know because <laughs> i gotta go home with her and you know i don't want to you know be in that car with her and be like yeah you do that every night if i don't have a great set you know it's like really yeah are you are you even really doing stand no, no but i mean it's just i get self-conscious i mean i i, I uh gotta open for uh the the late john witherspoon uh who's really really cool guy really awesome but mm -hmm. um they asked me on sunday they're like hey if you have any guests that you want to get in uh you know we could we could comp the ticket so i put an announcement on facebook and my wife saw like oh uh i'm gonna invite sarah and kirsten and rob and brian and i'm like hey babe that wasn't for you that was for like people that'll come to the show this isn't for you and your girlfriends to have a date <laughs> night because i'm working like, like, well, why are you trying to have a date night with me there? But I mean, in reality, I was just really like, there's more pressure when my wife's there. It's just, I, I yeah. don't know why. It's just like psychologically, like if I fail in front of her, it's a lot worse. But sometimes, I mean, I've had some of my best sets when she's there. I mean, I made this yeah. cholo guy blush. And, um, <laughs> you know, when you get those really scary cholo guys, like, <laughs> It's like it's like it's like one of those like I was like, OK, this is cool. I was like really in the moment and doing crowd work. And it was I really made the headliner work. It was like really cool. But like, yeah, so I'm not complaining about my wife. She's awesome. I love her. She's great. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just um, wanted to share that. Um, what are um, some of your fondest or happiest memories during your stand up comedy career? Um, man, so many. It's hard to. And the first time I ever got a standing ovation, I was opening for um, Gabe Kaplan from Welcome Back, Carter. And um, I remember after, have, after finishing my set, I turned behind me to grab the mic stand and I put it, you know, to put it in front of me, put the mic back in and everybody was standing. And it was the first time I ever saw that. And it was a long time ago. So I, I remember calling my mom on a payphone to tell her. <laughs> oh, you know? that's beautiful, yeah. man. Oh my was, god. Uh, that was that was a that was a great feeling. But um um I you know I appreciate it all, man. I appreciate the good sets. Um I don't like the bad sets, but I appreciate them because I try to learn from them. I'm like, okay, what what can I do better next time? You know, and I and I, the boxer in me comes out and wants a rematch, you know, and the boxer in me wants a wants to fight the guy the audience one more time and, <laughs> and 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 try to beat it again you know and um uh so but i i've get to travel around the world i remember the, the first time i ever traveled out of the country I, I went to japan to entertain the troops and it's and japan was some place i always wanted to go and i remember being on the plane thinking to myself in awe going oh my god 
I'm flying to Japan to tell Joe. I'm like, oh my God. But I think also another, and I don't know if I told you this story last time we spoke, but um, when I first started doing stand-up, I was homeless, man. I was living in a car. I was donating plasma for money. You, you um, did not You did not say that at all. Okay. I, would, I would have asked about that. Yeah, and, that um, uh, wow. So during that time, during that time, I, I remember Paul Rodriguez was performing at a theater, not at a comedy club, at a theater. And I was like, you know, I never borrowed money from friends, but I had to see him. So I remember I borrowed, I borrowed $12.50 from a friend to uh, go see Paul Rodriguez. And, and I went to this theater. It was a two-layer, two two-tier theater. And I sat all the way in the back. And I remember watching him, and I was in awe. It was like watching a god. It was so funny. And it was amazing to see it. I'm like, this guy's not performing for 200 people. He's performing for 2,000 people. And I remember looking at him and I remember telling myself two things. I said, one day I'm going to open for him. And one day I'm going to do comedy on this theater, in this theater. Four years later, I opened for him at that theater. Oh, and, my um, God. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I stepped out on stage and I looked in the back where I was and I teared up. You know, I was like, I was like a, like a pussy. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was, um, I'm about to start crying. You're like, I'm just a pussy. <laughs> no, but it felt, it felt good. It was just like, I remember telling myself, thinking to myself, oh my God, I said this, I'm doing both things I said at the exact same time. And it was only four years later. And um, it just humbles you. It doesn't, see, that's the, that's the difference, I think, with some people. Sometimes people, you take something like that and it makes somebody cocky. But you take something like that, it also makes somebody humble. So it just depends on the kind of person. And it's like, those are the things that always make me humble, not ever think anymore. I'm just very thankful. You know, I'm the kind of person that if, if someone asks for something from me, whether it be money or rather be a favor or whatever, and I can do it, I'm, I thank God at the end and go, thank you, Lord, for letting me have money in my bank account to help this person with what they needed. I'm never like, oh, God damn it, this guy's always asking me for something. But, you know, it's more like, I'm like, I'm lucky. I, I, I'm very thankful that I was in that position. That I could help somebody. Um, so it's kind of, you know, everything in life is perspective, man. Everything in life is how you look at it and how you handle it. And, um, and if you handle, if you look at things better and you handle things better and, you know, you have a better life. And, and, and not to say that I'm, you know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I have a lot of regrets. I don't believe when people say I don't have any regrets. Bull crap. I have a lot of regrets. I've, I have a lot of demons that I, that I've fought throughout my life. I've had a lot of issues, you know, that I wish I didn't have. And, um, and I, and, and I, every day I work on them more and more and more and more and try to be a better human being. And the older I've gotten, the easier it is to be a better human being. And I'm glad. Um, so, you know, you kind of just, you kind of just, every day is a battle, man. Every day is a battle. And you just have to um, try to win as many of those battles as you can till the end. I mean, I just, I just love it and I, I love your optimism and your just overall love man because like even before I didn't even like get a proper introduction in with you and as soon as I got off stage you shook my hand like 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 you were my like uncle and you were like hey funny stuff and I like I was like oh my god I, like I started like getting all giddy I was like you watched my set and then I'm like oh my god you watched my set because like <laughs> I was like, so I, it was like one of those things where like I just felt it. I felt the love and you were just so like, like awesome and cool. And like, I don't know, sometimes like the headliners like, oh, I, I must be in the green room and nobody else will be in there. And I don't want to listen to the show. And I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. And if anybody asks me if, they, I, if, if I watch their set, then, you know, I'm going to really give it to them for. And it's just like, dude, why are you being so arrogant? You're you're just a local headliner, you know, not. You know. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, I love comedians. I've always loved comedians ever since, even before I was a comedian. And I still love comedians this very day. And I love them all. And I think it doesn't matter to me if they're new or old. It matters to me, you know, that they're funny or not. Right. And then obviously the a big thing is if they're cool or not. If someone's an asshole or a jerk, I, I don't even pay attention to them because it's like, I, I, no matter what profession I'm in, I'm not going to pay attention to an asshole. You know, but if they're if they if they seem that they, they're cool or whatever, to me, all comedians are my peers. We may be working different gigs. We may 
be doing different spots on a show. We may be um, making different money, but we're all peers. We're all doing the same thing. And it's, um, you know, and, and I love to see a comic that surprises me. Like, they go, oh, wow, they, that person was really funny. Like, they, that stuck out on me, you know? And, and it was just, in that night, it was really with everybody. It was Everybody was really funny. And I was just really impressed that everybody on a small little show like that was funny. Usually it's not. Usually it feels like a bringer show and everybody's just horrible. And they're, they're, they're you know, they're doing their little corny jokes. And, and you're like, all right. Then you gotta. Then you gotta. Let me go up on stage and hopefully the audience forgets those crappy comics and then remember. Oh, let me be. Try to be funny, but it wasn't. It was perfect. Everybody was funny, and I'm like, oh, this is easy because I'm I'm a kind of comic that wants to follow funny guys. I don't want to follow hard, comics that aren't funny because that's harder for me. So it's easier for me to follow somebody who's funnier because then you just jump on the wave and be funny. I know I'm funny. I just, but. But how to use that funny depends on, you know, a lot of things. So it just, uh, you know, so I, I like that you were great. You were a really funny comic that night. I remember, and I was really impressed. And um, Oh, thanks. Are. Oh, hell yeah. Um, you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do no podcast and some really shitty comic. I'm just kidding. But no, it was just like, no, it, it was like one of those times where everyone did really great. But then you went up there and you like murdered, like extra murdered. It was like, it was really, really great. Like it was yeah, it was I don't like know. a bullfight. It, like, it was like a bullfight. You guys went there. You you stuck the little swords in them for a little bit. Then I just had to pick, put my big sword in there. You know, even though <laughs> even though I I hate animal brutality and I will never watch a, a bullfight in person in my life or on TV. I think it's cruel. I would never watch that. <laughs> yeah, I never I never liked I never liked bullfighting. I always thought it was gross and I was just like, oh my god, is that where we get steak from? This is horrible. Um, <laughs> I really thought that. You know, that was just that was just a ignorant kid but you know um <laughs> um what's it called yeah i'm all over the place with these questions um wh who are some of your comedic influences growing up you know the the usuals you know um uh eddie murphy richard pryor red fox george carlin um pretty prince but then i also like things like um national lampoon Saturday Night Live, you know, I love sketches. Uh, I love, I, I love sketch comedy. Um, anything, anything that was funny, you know, my next door neighbor that would fall all the time. I'm like, ah, oh, look, you know, I'm like, I'm like, any, you know, whatever made me laugh. I, I just love, I had a sense of humor. I used to love hanging out with uh, like my gay friend because I just thought he was hilarious. He was so flamboyantly gay. That it was just like I'm like oh my god that's awesome you know like, I, I wish I could do that you know <laughs> yeah it was just you know I just anything that was funny I I love yeah like especially like when you see like a gay guy who has the same body type as me who's dressing like a badass hoochie mama and I'm just like oh my god you're not even wearing a bra you can see everything like holy shit. Like yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's bravery right there. And it's just like, Oh, oh yeah. you're, you're so brave going on stage. No, that's brave. I'm just kidding. But going on, going on stage oh, is very, it's, you know, nerve wracking. I can't be nerve wracking at time, but then you get comfortable on stage and I've gotten so comfortable. Now I sit on stage, but now I'm kind of nervous. Like, is this stage? I mean, I'm sorry. Is this, uh, is this stool strong enough to support me or am I going to make right. an ass of myself and possibly cancel the show? Because that would be the worst. That would be the worst. Like, imagine you're like getting ready to go up, and then one of the openers just breaks the stool and has to be, um, I don't know, um, taken out by an ambulance and paramedics and stuff. That would, you know, really mess up that, the show. That would be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> and of course, you just wait for them to clear me out. And it's like, okay, you're a headliner, Joey Medina. You're I'll, just like, wasn't that fast fuck funny? <laughs> I'll be like, you got it. I'm going to take you on the road, but you have to do that every single time now. <laughs> you need to you need to fall every single time. Oh my god, that would that would be the worst gig on the planet because I've I have a horrible back, so that would not. I mean, unless it was like padded, we could work it out. We could we could work it out. Um, <laughs> but um, was I going to ask you? This is uh, I have a, a couple more questions. Um, because I want to be respectful of your time. Otherwise, I'll have you here for hours. Uh, with my Mexican goodbyes, we're like, hey homie, you remember back in 1992? You're like, we just met. I'm like, I know, but remember back in 1990? <laughs> but uh. You're involved in many aspects of the entertainment business. You're an actor, you're a director, you're a screenwriter, 
Uh, you're obviously stand-up comedian. You're an overall good guy. Uh, what advice would you have for anyone new to Los Angeles or is thinking about moving to LA? Um, I would just say try to prepare as much as you can. Try to make some trips here first. Try to make some, you know, connections with other comics, with comedy clubs. Try to, um, like anything else in life, you need to prepare for it, right? If you just show up, it's not going to happen. I've seen a lot of comics move to LA and, you know, a month later move back home. So um, just prepare. Try to make as many connections. Try to do it. But if you're going to be in show business, this is the, you know, this is kind of where you want to be. If you're going to be in acting or making films or, you know, anything like that, this is place you want to be. Um, and just, you know, but just plan it, plan it as best you can and, and just work on your act as much as you as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. That's the one regret I have. I wish I would have networked more before moving. I try to network a little bit, but then the pandemic happened. And then during the pandemic, we moved down here, which was like, the worst thing ever. It's like, oh, wait, uh, you don't have any TV credits. You're not a celebrity and you didn't go viral on TikTok. OK, yeah. OK, no, no, no. We, we're not really that interested in you. Oh, OK, that's yeah, yeah. We don't care about your video. You didn't go viral. You know, so, you know, because if you, if you went viral, you have all the followers. And if you announce your show, they'll all come. But then the, then they're giving away all these like free tickets to for all these TikTok sensations that like, you right, know, whatever. Right. I, I ain't talking shit, but it's just, you know, it's just it happens and you know you put all your yeah, eggs but, in one basket and sometimes you get burned and it's, you know on but, all but, aspects but this is what you got to do you got to work you have to you know if you're a boxer right you just don't hit the bag you also hit the speed bag you hit the double end bag you jump rope you run you eat better you do a lot of things so you can be com a complete you know a complete person so a complete athlete that's what you need to do as a comic the most important thing is you got to work on that act because as a, and this is generally speaking, because as a comic, you want to be ready. So when that, when that somehow the, the, the door of opportunity knocks on your door or, you know, opportunity knocks on your door, you have the skills to go, yeah, I deserve to be in this spot. That's, yeah. that's the most important thing. But then now you have to put yourself in that spot. You have to network more. You've got to try to um, showcase more. You can do festivals. You can do different things. And, and, you know, hang out with um, at, at, at top clubs, hang out with really established comics, um, try to pick up from them as much as you can. The more you, the more things you do to help your career, the faster you'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. And like um, asking, like um, it's, you know, because there's so many, there's so much rejection with stand up. You're just like, some, one day I sent out 128 booking requests within like a 30 hour span i got 12 responses and i got four bookings and someone's like dude that's great and i'm like are you kidding me compared to the bay i this 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 would be like non-existent like but uh right. of course it's a different market down here but um my but yeah, of but course also, <laughs> sorry but then you then you have to learn okay how could i make those respond how can i make those you know those emails better. How can I do it even better? How can I do that? Can I make them wittier? Can I, how am I, how my email is going to stick out from other people? You know, how, what, what's secret word can I use? Can I go, you know, for instance, if you know, you know, Hey, I was talking to so-and-so who, if you know, so-and-so is good with them, you go, and he told me I should give you a call. That's going to make you stand out versus somebody who just goes, Hey, I'm some random guy giving you a call. Right. So, it, it, it's just you work it but hey man getting four if you didn't send those 128 out you wouldn't have gotten those four right so that is good that really is good and what you do is 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 now you have to just okay how can i get more next time and just keep working on it and keep working on it and keep working on it and then once like once you get four you have to keep the four so you have to have a good yeah. relationship with the, those bookers you gotta you gotta do a good job you got to be fun to work with. You got to be good to work with. You don't want to be a pain in the ass. You know, you want to want to be helpful. You always want to stand out and be a, and be the kind of person that they want to work with. Oh, oh, that's that's all great advice, especially the standing out with the email, because especially like if you're not I don't know if you don't have any type of credits whatsoever. And it's just like you're pretty much cold calling. It's like, hi, are you are you the are you the 
man of the ha- are you the head of the household um uh, do you make between the average income what best describes your income or salary cap it's just like oh, who the hell are you they're just gonna hang up on you don't give a shit about you wanting to do their club or anything so it's just <clears throat> yeah and then sometimes they don't answer and you could send it like whatever or sometimes you send it to the wrong email that was two emails ago and they changed the company name and that happened recently with uh an uh, email for the improv is to change to levity live then to something else and back to levity live and i'm like okay or no back to improv so that's improv but um yeah last couple of questions um i listen to a lot of podcasts and i love it when uh comedians share stories about marilyn martinez and i was wondering if there's any stories you can share about her marilyn martinez is, what can i say i love marilyn marilyn martinez was um, for people that don't know her, she's a, she's a very, very funny comedian who passed away way before her time. Um, she was great. I worked the road with her a lot. Um, she was the kind of person, like, if you ever had a secret, you don't tell Marilyn. Or if you had something you want the world to know, tell Marilyn. Um, but, uh, but she was hilarious. She was very unique. She was very uh, different. There was nobody that that disliked her, I don't think. You know, she was um I remember one time we we did a gig where I actually did the gig in drag. And um <laughs> I did yeah and, and Marilyn and I uh we shared the same hotel room in the same bed together and it was uh, hilarious man. Oh we I remember being in the bed with Marilyn where you know where you know I just took off all my makeup and everything and her and I were just cracking up all night long and just making each other crack up. Um I, I got a thousand stories with Marilyn, but the, the most important story, the most important thing about Marilyn was she was a great human being. She was a, she's an amazingly funny human being too. She wasn't a, a, a funny female. She was just a funny, funny comedian. And um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody in the world that, that, uh, that can say anything bad about her. You know, and one of these days I'll see her up there again. <laughs> oh man, she was awesome. And I, she's my mom's favorite comedian. Like, like, so that was just like, and I don't, I like, she just really, really liked her. So that was just, I don't know, it was really just struck home with me. Like, I just like hearing good things about her. I never met her. So it's just like, I like uh, experiencing this vicariously uh, through you and, you know, just uh, with all your emotion and everything. Um, we so just, for those of you that, for those of you that are listening that don't know her, imagine if you imagine a female Joey Diaz, that was Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. She was all fest. I mean, all due respect to Coco, but she, she, she was a lot better looking than Joey. It was because, you know, Joey and, and her had that same attitude. They didn't give a shit. They just did. They, they said what they wanted to say. They were hilarious. They were, they were both, they're both comics, comics. You know, Joey is a comics comic. Um, Marilyn was a comics comic. Um, and they were both actually really good friends as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So if you could imagine a female Joey Diaz, that, that was Marilyn Martinez. And she just, uh, she, she just called it the way she saw it. And, uh, and everybody loved her. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I wish more people would be genuine like that. Like, you know, some people just fake the funk. And we just need more people that are just truth tellers and just really like, you know, no bullshit people yeah. like that. I like that a lot. Um, so we, uh, I recently co-hosted a podcast where we interviewed you with uh, Keith Reza, and I wanted to know if you had any cool Keith Reza stories. No, I did his podcast recently, and that was the worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> That's the clip. That's the clip. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. No, that, that was a gag question. No. Um, I was just like, okay, okay because we're, uh, we're using a Zoom account right now. And he's like, you got to ask him that question. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. But I'm going to follow that up with, uh, oh, I have a cool Keith story. Uh, we, we did uh, a bar show and I saw this guy with glasses that he convinced me was Barry Sobel. And he went up to the guy and he fed him information that I told Keith in public. Or, I'm sorry, nice. in private. And he, he, he called out that experience like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I blocked you on Facebook, dude. It's cool. And uh, I and I forgive you. I'll, I'll unblock you. I just don't have my phone right now. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Right. And then, like, I was just like, oh, my God, dude. 
you just talked to and like I thought it was Barry Sobel for like an hour and a half, and it was just some <laughs> random white guy with glasses. So I was just like, "You're you're, you're an asshole." But uh, okay, and this is your, the last question. Uh, where can the people find you online so they can see you live? Because you people need to see you live. Well, definitely. Um, Instagram Instagram is is my uh, uh, social media of choice. Joey Medina Comic at Joey Medina Comic, and. Um, so definitely check me out there. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, but usually everything I put on Instagram goes to the other two. So Instagram, I love. Um, also, I have a production website, BronxBoyEntertainment.com. And there you can see the films I've, I've shot, I've directed, and uh, has nothing to do with my stand-up comedy other than the, the comedy things I've made. You can see my sitcom on there. You can see the shows I've worked on. You can see my drama films that I've shot, um, the comedy specials I directed. They're, they're all on BronxBoyEntertainment.com. Awesome. Uh, we're going to drop that link in the description to hyperlink it. Um, my uh, brother does it for me, so he's going to do it. But uh, I don't know how to do all that stuff, but he makes it look super, super like good so people can uh, get in contact with you very easily. They can follow you uh, on social media. They could go to your shows. Um, yeah, man. Thank you so much for doing Poppycock Podcast. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me and your time. And um, I really hope to work with you in the near future. And um, thanks a lot for doing my show, man. Pleasure, brother. Thank you so much. I'll thank see you, you soon. Brother. Yeah, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Love you, man. And thank you guys for listening. Check us out on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Thank you so much.